Welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your owner and host, Justin Jackson. Now, remember, as always, to like, rate, subscribe, and share with your sports friends and your sports rivals, along with following the social media handle at JTime Sports. I repeat, at JTime Sports. Um, and that is on all your social medias, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, for breaking news, updates, and highlights. Now, if you're new to the show, you don't know this phrase. But if you're a returning member, you know, as always, sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. Um, as always, you guys, well, these days, uh, you guys will hear this show on Thursday morning, but I'm recording it Wednesday night. Uh, this is your owner, host, um, and operator of Justin Town Sports. It is me, Justin Jackson, on the mic once again, ready to talk to you guys. I, I thoroughly enjoy doing this, like I discussed a couple weeks ago on the first show back in season four. I thoroughly enjoy doing this. It brings me a lot of joy. It brings me a lot of happiness. Um, and I think you guys really get something out of it, too. I love the feedback I get uh, from fans. Um, I absolutely love that. So just keep it coming. Um, and, of course, keep supporting social media. So remember, follow at JTime Sports for all your breaking news and updates, highlights these days as well. Uh, that is on TikTok. That is on Facebook. That is on Twitter and Instagram. So if you're one of those people that say, I don't do Twitter, you can get it on Facebook. Same updates. Oh, I don't do Instagram. You can get it on Facebook. Again, same updates. Oh, I don't really do Instagram. You, you want the highlights? You can get it on TikTok. And again, that's Facebook and Twitter. So whatever social medias you do, um, and now I'm even, I figured out a way. I, I mean, I mean, it could be late to the party, but there's a way now where I can take my Instagram story, making it to a reel, and now I'm putting that on Twitter every day. So if you guys missed the breaking news on uh, the day for your Instagram or Twitter, you don't do those social media, even Facebook. You're only a TikTok person. But guess what? I got you on TikTok, too, because I'm taking that story, which every um, update I post on Instagram, I put it in my Instagram story as well on Justin Time Sports. So now I'm taking that reel about 9, 45, 10 o'clock every day. I'm making it a reel the last 24 hours, and I'm dropping it on TikTok. So that'll have all your highlights, that'll have your breaking news, um, everything that I would have posted on Instagram in the last 24 hours would be now in that TikTok. So like I said, I'm getting you everywhere. So wherever you want to be, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all, um, or, you know, one or all, or however combination you want to do it, I'm there. Um, so if you guys want your uh, updates and your breaking news, that is where you would go. So normally, you guys, again, if you're brand new to the show, this will mean nothing to you. Welcome. If you are brand new to the show, I, 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 I love that you're here. I hope you make us make me rather part of your weekly uh, sports podcast or your podcast diet in general. Um, but if you're returning to the show, you pretty much have gotten the format of how I like to do things down. Um, I do sport by sport. Um, usually, um, I just start off with every season, whatever the main season is. So NFL is going to be NFL starting off every single week. There's no if ands or buts about it. Um, and then during baseball season, it'll be baseball when they're exclusive. And then basketball, it'll be basketball, even though free agency may overtake baseball. But whatever. For, for the most part, it's sport by sport based on whatever season's happening. Um, and normally I would stick to that, but we're going to switch it up a little bit today. Um, because there's two stories, one in each sport, actually basketball in the, in the, in the NBA and the NFL, which two sports we're going to talk about today, um, that are kind of separate to me. They're their own entity. You know, normally there's a main story every week about whatever sports happening, but these two stories, these two situations kind of to want to make them their own block and I want to do that on purpose and we're going to do one take a break and do another one you know same kind of format we do our sections but it's going to be a little different in terms of how I wanted to attack this um and we're going to start off in the NBA we're going to start off with John Morant and his situation now uh for those of you who don't know um and we're going to kind of go through the history or whatever but the incident that has got everybody's attention the reason why it's the number one topic on a lot of shows why it's the number one topic on my show um, is the fact that John Morant went on Instagram Live shirtless, allegedly in a strip club in Denver, waving a gun around, pointing it at the camera, 
doing everything you do not want to see your, what is he, 23, 24-year-old NBA superstar doing. And, and, and to be honest, from my personal point of view, I don't want to see anybody doing it, but especially a person in that position. He has kids that follow his Instagram, that have his post notifications on when he goes live, and some 11-year-old kid probably saw that and thought, oh, John Moran's doing it. John Moran's tough. John Moran could be a gangster and be in the NBA. And I actually spoke to a couple people about this um, right after the incident happened. And probably had I done the podcast the day after it happened, two days after it happened, maybe even going into the weekend, I would have come at this a lot differently than how I'm going to come at it now. Um, and I think that maybe even younger me, I'm not old by any means. I'm 25, 26 in a couple months. Like, I'm not old by any means. Me and Ja are two years apart, basically three years apart. My reaction of what I think an NBA player should do, as opposed to what was done, would have been totally different. How I would have how I would have come at it with the, at this with this podcast on my platform would have been totally different. So I'm gonna go through the facts of what we know before I go into my opinion on the situation. We know John Morant was waving a gun. Now, the Denver police did an investigation. They said they couldn't find evidence of him having a gun in the strip club, even though there's a video. But according to them, and they're right, a video itself is not enough to place a charge. The reason why this is the case is because what if the gun was fake? What if the gun was fake? If it's a fake gun, he's not, you know what I'm saying? What if the gun's fake? So, you te- technically, they do the whole you can't use a video against somebody thing. In the event of it was a fake gun, him trying to be tough. Okay. But from what we know, it was a gun. Okay. We know he was shirtless in a nightclub. Pop, what a very very famous rule. Nothing good happens after midnight, especially for a pro athlete. Ask any, if you, if you, and you think like, oh man, what happened? You know, you're thinking in your head, no, good things can happen. What if they, you know, whatever. Think about your favorite sports team. Or your favorite sports athlete ever. Or think about your favorite person in your life. You know, if you, you know, I mean, if you're in this podcast, I'm assuming you're a big sports fan. But if you're not, you just casually found my podcast. Again, welcome. Um, but think about your favorite person, a sports athlete, or even sports team. And the only thing you know is that something happened to them after midnight. Your brain is thinking nothing positive. You're just not. So nothing good happens, truly, after midnight. It just doesn't. We know you were there after midnight. Your Instagram Live timestamps that. We know you were there waving a gun around. We know you were shirtless. I have no issue with him being in the club. I have no issue, true, with him being shirtless. If the club owner allows it, whatever. It's not a great look for me, but hey, whatever. It's John Moran, so they're going to bend a few rules for John Moran. The issue is that, one, you had the gun with you. More than likely, you brought it on the team plane, and we'll discuss the ramifications of that. Number three, you decided to put it on Instagram Live yourself. It's different if one of your dopey friends or somebody in the club with their phone takes out John Morant waving a gun through here, and it's on Twitter, and it blasts. Okay. But you put it on your own Instagram Live. And it wasn't like somebody had your phone on IG Live and was filming you from an off angle or whatever. It was it was a selfie video of you and the gun. You can't do that. Because John Morant, man. I, again, I'm going to get my opinion. I got I to gotta, gotta get to the facts. So that's what we know happened to the incident. This is not John Morant's first incident. The incidents, the incidents that we know of in recent history, this is not, this is not, you know, from the time he was 16 years old, this was the last 12 months max. Um, and these are not in chronological order, but there was an incident at the finish line. His mother calls him. Hey, this guy's giving me a hard time at the finish line for whatever reason. Ja not only shows up. He shows up with nine of his homies. 
and at one point is demanding that the security guard tells him what time the guy from finish line get off. I'm sorry. You're doing, dude, you're John Morant. You could just walk into the finish line. I'm sure it was a finish line in Memphis or Houston, maybe, and everybody in the plant knows you're John Morant. Whatever shoe or issue, whatever, probably would have got squashed because the manager didn't want to piss off, you know, John Morant. And how John Morant blasts the Houston finish line or Memphis finish line, whatever it was, all over Twitter. That does way more damage to him than whatever you were going to do to the employee or threaten to the employee, whatever. Whatever your goal was when you showed up with 10 of your boys to a finish line employee. Dude's probably a 17-year-old high school kid. Or, you know, somebody who needs that, like, not in a position to threaten you or your mother. That's what I'm saying. Then there was an incident. He was in his Houston home, I believe. Playing a pickup game. You know, it was a local high school 17-year-old. Pretty good player from all accounts from what I've heard. At the game, and they were beating up on the kid. They pretty much proving, like, dude, you're, you ain't there yet. As good as you think you are. I'm John Morant. These are my homies. You know, whatever. They were beating up on the kid. Um, and it breaks down to, at one point, John Morant walks into the house. It was, it was, particularly it was at John's house. Walks into the house and comes out with a gun t- tucked in his waistband. Now, he never pointed it at the kid. He never, whatever. But he definitely made it known it was in there. Kind of like, what you going to do about how we plan? I guess the kid made some remarks about how they were playing. And so, you know, John made put the gun in his waistband and walked out with it tucked in and basically looked at the kid like, what you going to do? The third incident, some of John Morant's crew, they were, uh, I believe, at a road game in India. I think it was a road game against the Pacers. Some of John's crew get into it with some of the Pacers staff. Next thing you know, after the game, some black cars, blacked out vehicles, roll around the back of where the Pacers were being picked up. They might, might have been a home game. Roll around the back to where the Pacers were being picked up. And then the Pacers reported, all of them reported basically red beams are being pointed into the vehicle. Being pointed to where the paces were being picked up. Now, it could have been laser pointers. It could have been. I doubt it, but it could have been. The paces are convinced that those were lasers off of off of firearms. That they were basically sending the message. It could have been this quick. And then, of course, you have the latest incident with the gun uh, shirtless strip club situation on IG Live. Since that point, uh, John Morant, or the Grizzlies, released a statement saying that he will be away from the team for at least two days, two games. Right after that, about an hour later, John Morant releases a statement regarding the fact that uh, he took full responsibility, made sure he took full responsibility, and was going to step away from the team in order to learn how to deal with stress better. And now the Grizzlies have released this fact that he will be out at least another four games. So now that we got all the facts out the way, now that all the uh, previous incidents, now that we have a track record, now that we know exactly the situation we're dealing with, um, again, in a few days ago, I would have attacked this totally differently uh, without having pretty much context and hearing different opinion, hearing from Jalen Rose, uh, hearing from Gilbert Arenas, hearing from Carmelo Anthony, um, and these guys who have been in similar situations that Jaws in now, and what the NBA can do, what the NBA might do. And then for me, from looking at it from a situation of what, honestly, the NBA has shown us. Um, so we're going to start off with Carmelo Anthony. Because Carmelo Anthony and Goodwin Arenas kind of paints the picture for what Jalen Rose ultimately said. So, really, the Gilbert Arenas part, that's more fact than conjecture. Gilbert Arenas, um, famously, 2009-2010, um brought a gun, multiple guns, into the Wizards locker room to deal with the teammate. Now, the teammate actually ends up being a convicted felon not too long after this. Um, but the teammate, I believe, owed Gilbert money They're from a card game on a team plane. They get into it, whatever, words are exchanged, threats are exchanged, whatever. Ultimately, Gilbert Arenas brings guns into the locker room. It was found out by NBA staff. They found the guns. Bam, Gilbert Arenas, he would have fit the game suspension. Now, Gilbert said himself, at this point, he was basically done anyway because his knees were so bad, he was pretty much done anyway. Now, he got a favor from the owner, he had his money, and they ended up coming back after it anyway, all kinds of other stuff. But 
the point of the story is that Gilbert was suspended 50 games, or Gil, if he's more popularly, popularly known, uh, Agent Zero as well, was suspended 50 games. And the reason why this is, is that in the CBA, which is the collective bargaining agreement, basically the rule book for how things go in the NBA, uh, having a firearm on a in on team premises is an automatic 50-game suspension. Why that's relevant to John Moran's case is that you kind of putting two and two together. If he had the gun in Memphis, because he plays in Memphis, and the gun ended up in Denver, did Ja take said gun from Memphis on the team plane to Denver? Having it on the team plane would count as having it on a team facility premises, which would count as an automatic 50-game suspension, if not more, uh, for John Morant. But at minimum, it's 50 for that incident. And then, of course, Adam Silver can add on additional games um, for violating multiple rules, including the personal conduct policy of the NBA. Because once with the social media, it kind of transitioned into another aspect. So you can get 50 for the gun and then another 40 or whatever. You know, Adam might just finish the next season off. So you may get a 100-game suspension or something outlandish like that, um, which in the first year of that contract would take $40 million out of Josh's pocket. Uh, but we'll discuss the contract in a minute. Um, so that's why Gilbert Arena's case is unique. Carmelo Anthony's case is unique because there was an incident in Denver 2006-ish where um, some of his crew, including that, I believe Carmelo, uh, getting to it with the crowd and the incident happened into the stands and suspensions come down, but Carmelo Anthony, I think the longest suspension besides Melo was like three games and Melo was getting like 12. And so uh, Carmelo Anthony goes to meets with David Stern, like, yo, what's going on? And so, like, why my suspension's four times longer than everybody else. Um, and so David Stern pretty much says, look, dude, you're a corporation. You're, you yourself are an entity. You're a business. You can have all the money, power, whatever in the world as long as you abide by our rules. You can either be a gangster or you can be an NBA player. But I ain't gonna let you be both. God, I'm not gonna let you be one in my league. Um, and it broke down to Stern talking about, look, I know who your friends are. I know who your friends hang out with. I know where your friends live. I know what they do. Like, he was done about all this stuff about, like, pretty much I know every single thing you've been doing, and I kind of was just waiting on this to slam you. Um, so if you want to keep playing in the NBA, you got to make a choice. Either you roll with those guys, or you cut those guys off, and you're going to play in the NBA. He said, but that's pretty much your options. Um, Carmelo laughed and said, I just the NBA is with the feds. Stephen A. Smith confirmed a very similar thing, like the NBA has former FBI agents and police officers and all that kind of stuff working for them to keep their eyes on these players. Okay. Why is that relevant? Because it's kind of like when you're a parent or even like older brother or older sibling and your child gets caught doing something and it's reported. That's probably not the first time they've done it. It's a situation where it's like either they get caught the very first time they do it, or they do it 50 times and then they get caught. Or something, or caught and punished, whatever. We know this is not Jaws' first time. We, we have the finish line incident, we have the pickup game, we have his house, and we have the Pacers uh, alleging the red beams into their vehicle. We know this isn't his first time. So, is this the first time he's just being caught? Is this how many times has he done these dangerous incidents? And just no repercussions for the most part. There's a multitude of things wrong here. Number one, you live in a very dangerous city in Memphis. Memphis is the third most dangerous city as far as homicide per 100,000 people. Uh, homicide per capita. Major city in America. These are third. If you add in all cities, New Orleans jumps to the top three or two. So Memphis becomes fourth or fifth. But... There are top five more dangerous cities, regardless of size, in the United States, considering the amount of gun violence in America. It's one of the most dangerous cities in the Western Hemisphere. Um, and you're, in my opinion, being an internet gangster. And the reason why I say that is, you didn't come from that. It doesn't look like you came from that. Your father gave 15 years of his life to making you into this amazing NBA player. You had two parents. They both worked. You were in private school since you were in high school. It doesn't look like at any point that street thug life was yours. 
Now, I could be totally wrong. I, I don't know John Moran's personal life. I don't. But from all appearances, the way his father acts, now nah, he's tough. I give him that he's tough. He's got some street in him. But he says stuff on Twitter like it's free to see how these hollow feel and stuff that like he has no business tweeting. Because if you're, like Shannon Sharp said, if you're a real gangster, people ain't got to be told you're one. People just know that you're one. Um, if you really like that, you don't have to go around telling everybody that you're this tough guy and flashing guns and all that stuff. People just know. Um, so that's for one. That's a Memphis angle. Number two, I look at it contractually. His contract extension kicks in next year. His five-year potential supermax, that's about $240 million, um, kicks in next season. Powerade, on the day he gets suspended, basically, drops his new commercial as one of the faces of the brand. And, of course, Nike has the still unreleased John 1. He gets his own signature shoe. Um, All these contracts have morality clauses in them. Um, The NBA could do, the Grizzlies can do what the Wizards did to Gilbert Arenas, which was, we nag all this guaranteed money, we paid you most of it. However, because you violated this morality clause, we have the right to reclaim X amount of millions of dollars. Um... And Jaws deal not even getting yet. So in theory, they could avoid the deal, change the guarantee language, and all kind of stuff um, in the event that John Moran has some legal issues or that he has to deal with uh, missing time away from the game. And again, all these contracts, the $200 plus million dollars the Grizzlies are, uh, have agreed to him with, Powerade, um, again, the Jaw one, not many people have a signature shoe. All these things are very, very uh, tied to morality clauses and not letting, not letting their contract or not letting their companies rather look bad. Um, but there's hope for him because Jalen Rose spoke about how he was John Moran, had the friends from the hood, wanted to act tough and brandish the gun, wanted to protect yourself, wanted to keep that street and hood mentality going even when he made his money. And Jalen Rose's message pretty much was like, dude. You have an opportunity that every one of them would leave you for, which is to make generational wealth, to be a great NBA player, and has a unique opportunity to be a great NBA player. Like, um, a lot of the best guys are foreigners right now. Look at a Jokic, look at a Giannis, look at an Embiid. Uh, you can even look at a Shea Gilda Alexander, a Luka. Um, I don't know, foreign-born, but as far as the American guys, as far as that generation, that generation, it's looking like him. Um, now, Zion stays healthy. Zion has a hell of a case, but it's looking like it's going to be um, led by John Morant. So he has the opportunity to be the best American-born player um, for a few years. That is a very unique position to be in um, because up until about two years ago, the best player in the world was always American. So now you look at John Morant. He has the ability to be the best player in America, or from America, rather. And again, that's a very unique position to be in. But Jalen Rose was speaking about how he was he was John Moran. You look at Jalen Rose now, you would have never guessed um, the past he had to go through per his own admission. Um, I believe John Moran's hurting. And I don't know. He, he mentioned stress in his statement. I don't know if it's just stress, but I believe he's hurting and he's crying out for help. And I think that this incident was the ultimate last-ditch cry of out for help. I hope he gets the help he needs. Um, again, two, three days ago, I would have called him everything but a child of God on this podcast, but, um, I've taken a different approach to this and I think I'm, I think I like this approach a lot better. He needs help right now. I don't think this is the time to slander him. I don't think this is the time to bash him. I think it was what he did was stupid. I, I think what he did was idiotic, but, um, he needs help. It's clear he's calling out for help. Um, and I hope he gets the help that he needs. He says in his statements, he's going to go get that help, but I just hope it sticks and I need people around him to hold him accountable. Those friends who are doing bad, who want to stay him down the wrong path, I need his good friends to push them out. Um, I need Team Morant to step up like a, like, like a strong father. He's been Jaws' whole life. And regardless of the financial distribution now, whatever is making the dynamic like it flips around, stand up and get Jaws right. Because uh, he loses that guarantee, those guaranteed dollars from these contracts, and all that lifestyle and money could be affected. Um... And so that is pretty much my situation, my thoughts on Jaws, that he needs to get his life together. I hope this is rock bottom. I hope it's not one of those sad stories that we, re- that we remember 20 years from now. Like, man, do you remember John Morant? 
that dude was talented, man, but he was just messed up. I hope it's not that story. Um, he's far too talented to be uh, messed up like that. But up next, we're going to shift uh, to an interesting situation uh, with Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. Welcome back into the show. Um, that was kind of a long window on the John Morant situation. I was not intending to go 25-ish minutes, um, which about 21 of them really, um, about John Morant. But it had so many different angles. It happened so fast. There was so much dialogue and discussion about it. So many things surrounding it. And I felt that it needed that time. I didn't want to put a time limit on it. Like, oh, it's got to be done in 15 minutes. Like, there were so many different angles that I wanted to go with the situation. Like I said, discussing kind of how I went from, like, going to be name-calling and laughing and insulting to, okay, kind of be understanding. Can I look at it from a different perspective? Um, you know, so it's kind of how I got to that point. Um, so, again, didn't mean to go that long on John Morant. Apologies for being that long-winded. It just kind of happened. Um, like I said, I had notes written down. You guys know I have my bullet list, my notes, whatever. But I, didn't, I, I don't plan my speeches. I don't plan my talks. Um, it just kind of happened. So, um, again, probably just being long-winded on that. Um, but now we're going to shift into Lamar Jackson, which is the other big news, kind of above his own sport. Um, John Morant's news exceeded the NBA. It went, I saw CNN news, Fox News, whatever. Uh, talking about John Morant, kind of Lamar Jackson's thing is also transcended sports as well um, because it's kind of broken down. It's almost out of a racism thing um, and kind of big business collusion. And we're going to talk about both of those things. But um, forget, for those of you who don't know, backstory, like I did with John Morant, I'm going to do a little backstory. Um, so Lamar Jackson has been negotiating with the Baltimore Ravens regarding a long-term contract extension pretty much since the end of his MVP year. Um, his MVP year was his third year in the league. Um, for those of you who don't know, the NFL CBA allows you to extend after the third year of your rookie contract if you're a first-round pick. I think it's I think the actual rule states like you got to be I think you got to do at least three years. That's an extension rule. You got to play at least three, at least four years. After the third year, you can start renegotiating, reworking. It's a bunch of time rules to who can renegotiate and when. But to keep it simple, um, Lamar Jackson, being a first-round pick, had the right to renegotiate or begin to extend on his contract after the third season, which was coming off the unanimous MVP season. He became the second player ever to win unanimous MVP. Um, Our first player ever. No. First player? Second player? First and second player. I think it's the first player ever to win unanimous. First player ever because Tom Brady should have had it, but he got one place, first place, but we'll take it from him. So he became the first player ever to ever win unanimous MVP. Um, and so he's coming off that. Obviously, he wants to go big. Him and the Ravens can't agree. Now, Lamar's in a very interesting position. He doesn't have an agent. I believe his mom or is his running is basically serving as his agent. Um, and so when it comes down to that sort of situation, it was hard because I mean, there was stuff coming out even draft night. He was hard to reach because his mom wasn't answering the phone. Um, and so he's been kind of difficult management-wise to get a hold to because he's a total, he's a different entity. Now, Richard Sherman negotiated his own contract. Bobby Wagner's his own agent. Roquan Smith, I believe this is, I know Roquan Smith's his own agent. I believe Bobby Wagner is, but I know Roquan Smith's his own agent. Richard Sherman was as well towards the end of his career. Um, Lamar Jackson's doing been doing it since the draft. He kind of took the approach of why give some stranger 3% to 10% of my endorsements, 3% of my contracts, 10% of my endorsements when I can just keep it in the family and do it myself. First round pick contract is pretty much slotted as it is. Five years, fully guaranteed, fifth year option, all this stuff. 
now you get to the interesting position. Um, where they tried to negotiate after the MVP year, it didn't work. Now he came on and said, I'm not negotiating during the season. So that's four months out of the year. He's just not negotiating. Go through the season, uh, two off seasons ago, try to come back to the table, nothing. Okay, so now you're entering that fifth year option. What you don't want to do is having your star quarterback on the lame duck fifth year option. But they allow him to play it all the way out again. Again, no negotiating during the season. Now we get to the point we're at now. Um, where it's franchise tag or losing for nothing or get the long-term deal made. Whatever the gap is in their money, it ain't close because the Ravens put a non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. That gives him a multi, that gives a multitude of different facets and a multitude of folds. The first fold is the tag is the non-exclusive tag is about $13 million less than the exclusive tag. The non-exclusive tag is worth about $32.4 million. The exclusive tag is worth, I think, $45 million or $43 million, one of those two. Oh, um, million dollars. That's over, regardless, over $10 million less money. It also allows Lamar Jackson, for the first time in his NFL career, to be able to negotiate with other organizations. If that organization, if LeBron, uh, similar to restricted free agency in the NBA, for those who are more familiar with that system. If Lamar Jackson decides, hey, I'm going to accept this offer sheet from Team X. The Ravens then have five days, which is a little bit longer than the NBA. I believe the NBA gets 72 hours um, from the time the offer sheet is publicized, basically, or public knowledge. The Ravens have five days to match any offer sheet Lamar Jackson were to sign from Team X, Y, or Z. If they choose not to sign uh, or not to match said contract, then that team who's offered and Lamar agreed to sign that contract must send the Baltimore Ravens two first-round picks as compensation. Now, this is where the story gets interesting. I believe there is collusion happening in the NFL. And it's not collusion um, in the sense of, oh, like Brian Flores alleges collusion in terms of his hiring. It's very possible. The NFL wants to take back, I believe, the quarterback market. Because Deshaun Watson absolutely exploded it. Five years, $230 million, fully guaranteed. The ironic part about that is he signed a four-year, $160-odd million deal with the Houston Texans before he ends up getting suspended for the year, before he ends up sitting out the year on the uh, team don't come to the facility list when the investigations into his um, situation with massage parlors and stuff was being handled. And then when he gets to the Browns, or when the Houston Texans cut him, and then he gets to the Browns and they basically rip his deal up and give him $230 million of fresh money um, at five years. So the thing is, the irony is he never actually played a game on that new Texas deal and got an $80 million raise, a $70 million raise. But why is that important? Again, I believe there's collusion happening. Lamar Jackson is 26 years old. He's a former unanimous MVP. Every year he's healthy. He's led all quarterbacks in rushing, obviously. He led the league in passenger zones. He's the most dynamic weapon at the position. When, right after Lamar Jackson's availability became public, obviously, quarterback needy teams began to think. You're thinking if you're Miami, man, moving on from two to, my, to Lamar, he from here too, perfect. You're San Francisco. And you're thinking, I got Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, or Lamar Jackson. If you're the Jets, you're thinking, I had a great defense. I have offensive weapons. I just don't have, I don't know, Lamar Jackson. Um, That's just the name of a few. So you've got these guys, or these organizations, rather, that logically should be jumping all over the 26-year-old former MVP with no real injury history. I mean, there's sprains and there's stuff like that, but there's no broken legs, knock on wood. There's no torn ACLs. You know, there's nothing major that has knocked him out for a year or something. Um, so take it up with them. But to me, there's collusion happening. 
Because when you gave Deshaun Watson the contract you gave him, everybody after that should have jumped past. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, damn sure Lamar Jackson. Because Lamar has more accomplishments than all of them. Because um, he has the MVP. Now, Russell Wilson has a Super Bowl title, but Lamar has the MVP. Deshaun has neither. Kyler has neither. Josh Allen's deal, average annual value, didn't jump past Deshaun. So I think the owners made up their mind and made up a decision. We're not going to give Lamar Jackson that fully guaranteed contract because he's probably going to want that money past whatever Deshaun Watson guy, which is five years, 230. He's going to want his guarantees in the ballpark. So even if you got to go six years, 300 with $231 million guaranteed, whatever it is, he wants another year. He wants another dollar past Deshaun Watson from all reporting. Now, how trustworthy is the reporting? I'm not sure. Um, and that's what kind of what the issues come to align. Because Lamar has no agent, he has no agent. He's this, he has, he doesn't have an agent that has media friends that they can leak a story to and kind of spin it to their advantage and et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's nobody um, kind of there to speak to the media, feed the media information about the negotiations um, to try and sway public opinion. There's nobody there. Um, and so again, how reliable is the reporting? There's reporting that they could be $100 million off. Where the Ravens offer 133, Lamar's looking to fully guarantee 233, so they're $100 million off. That gap's never going to be close. Um, so to me, there's obvious collusion. Never in the history of my life. I mean, and also, this is one of those very rare occurrences. I remember we spoke about, uh, there was a lot of chatter about Deshaun Watson becoming free, how no one had ever, um, as talented as he was, just become scot free. Just become wide open. Um, you can go anywhere you like. Don't really care. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of get away from here and get away from us. Again, I've never seen that before. Um, where he's just completely scot-free. Um, or effectively scot-free and no one's going to look twice. Um, not too long... I mean, within minutes of um, the announcement coming out about Lamar and the different things that um, was going to happen. Multiple teams come out, and I do mean run out, to say, oh, we're not interested. We're not going to pursue that race. We're just not going to, doesn't feel like a good fit for us. We're not going to do it. And everybody, when they saw these teams, all kind of pretty much the same said the same thing. What in God's green earth mean you're not going to look at Lamar Jackson? The Miami Dolphins um, are not going to do it because they said they felt two was the perfect guy for their system. Um, the Washington Commanders are not interested as well. The Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons were the main teams to me that jumped out and I kind of looked like you guys need quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson's effectively free. What's the holdup? I think the holdup is the two first-round picks because those teams, again, unless it's the Jets, need their high drive picks to help fill out their roster. So I don't know why the Jets haven't done it yet, but I totally understand why, like, a Carolina, for instance, is not going to pay 230 for Lamar, 231 for Lamar, five years fully guaranteed, plus sending two first-round picks back. So you let somebody eat up your cap space and you don't have the draft capital to get cheap labor in order to try and help you with the cap space. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's an interesting position. And it, you can't even look at a team and say you don't have money because the Saints don't have money. The Saints have $5 million of dead money right now. They don't have hardly any salary cap. And yet they found a way to agree to terms on 106, 135? Hold on one second. $150 million, rather contract um and they you know found a way to pull that off so salary cap space is the salary cap is an ideal uh it's a thought it's not a thing um and so i think these teams need to create now if, I'm, if you're the Baltimore ravens you don't deserve them at this point at this point ravens fans you don't deserve them you had two and a half years to negotiate to get this right his demand at least for the last year has been consistent he has obviously not moved off that demand to me, it's downright disrespectful for somebody who's accomplished what he's accomplished to have to jump through more hoops than Deshaun Watson did. Um, 
really jumped through more hoops than Daniel Jones did. Um, and so just flat out disrespectful. Um, I do believe there's collusion involved. I believe somebody on high said, look, well, you got to bring these quarterbacks down a little bit. 200, we can't, we can't go to 300, 400 million dollar quarterbacks. And feasibly, it makes sense. There's salary cap to worry about. There's other positions to worry about. If you give 45, 50, 60 million dollars to Daniel Jones and now he can't perform, now you're in a bad spot because you're stuck with his contract for at least two to three years. No one's going to come in because it's hardly in the money. And probably your draft pick is going to be less than enthusiastic uh, to be there. So it's a bad situation all the way around. So I think that the owners have wink, wink, come together and decided, look, no one's going to pass the Deshaun Watson deal. We've accepted that. So now we got to figure out the best way to bring the market down and still show respect and deference um, for the quarterbacks. But the problem is you got too many guys coming up. We just saw what Josh Allen signed for. We know Joe Burrow deals coming. It's going to be massive. We know that already. Um, we definitely know a lot of these things that are uh, occurring. And so we have to look at the situation for what it is. I just think that, again, they're colluding. Um, they want The NFL wants him on the Ravens. The other owners have to want him on the Ravens. And I think they're colluding together to keep him on the Ravens at a certain price. Now, there's a potential landing spot I can see back during the NFL. They've done it before and don't care. The Niners. No one is talking about the Niners. I mean, they were not in that odd list, that dumb list of teams that within an hour said, we're not going to pursue Lamar Jackson. I've never seen that before. Which gave the colluding vibes. But anyway... The Niners have not made a public declaration of no. But why, why, why would they? Think about it. They can get Lamar Jackson for basically a couple of role players and two first-round picks. Adios. Um, you've got Lamar. Think about it if you add Lamar's offense. You you put out an offense that has Trent Williams at tackle, Christian McCaffrey running back, Lamar Jackson quarterback, Debo Samuel receiver, George Kittle at tight end, and then, of course, the defense is the number one defense in the league out here. So a San Francisco team adding Lamar Jackson, to me, would be the automatic favorite to win the Super Bowl championship. Um, so we're going to keep our eye on the situation. Uh, it's a messed up situation right now. It's disrespectful how the Ravens have treated him. It's disrespectful how these teams have come out and said, oh, we're not going to be interested in him. To me, if I'm if I'm an owner, I'm saying it with everybody, then I'm backdooring him and getting Lamar. Because then at that point, what are you going to do? Um, you really and truly couldn't stop an owner from backdooring another one and grabbing Lamar Jackson. Like I said, I can see the 49ers doing that. I can see the Jets doing that. Where they're saying, screw the rest of y'all. We need to go win games. And so they backdoor off of Lamar Jackson, an amazing contract. I would think the number to me would be seven years, $300 million with $220 million guaranteed. Um, comes in a little less than Deshaun Watson's guarantees, but it does kind of bring the market to a new level because there'd be another $300 million contract in the NFL besides uh, Mahomes. But up next, we're going to get back kind of to our regularly scheduled programming and we're going to shift to the NFL and give a quick offseason update about what's going down with the Shield. somewhat of the NFL and I just our last segment speaking about Lamar Jackson but now we're going to dive into uh, like I said quickly some offseason stuff what is going down so uh, six NFL six players ultimately uh, will receive the franchise tag from their organization every single one of them was non-exclusive so same rules as Lamar Jackson these players can go negotiate with anyone else but um, if they accept an offer the, their respective teams has the right to match it if they don't match it, the new team must send the old team two first-round picks. Now, that's feasible for Lamar Jackson. He's a quarterback. He's a 26-year-old former MVP. But the other players that received this tag was New York Giants running back Saquon Barkley, uh, Las Vegas Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars tight end Evan Ingram, uh, Dallas Cowboys running back Tony Pollard, 
and uh, I believe Washington Commanders D lineman Darren Payne. It is impossible to convince anyone with brains that it's a smart move to pay one of those guys way astronomical number and send the first round pick. So those guys, those positions you can use a transition tag on because ultimately they're not going to, you can say a few million dollars, because ultimately no one's going to convince themselves to send you two first round picks along with paying this guy near or if not past the top of the market. So those guys are safe. Um, the reason why, I mean, no, none of the tags were shocking. Lamar Jackson, you kind of seen it coming a mile away. Saquon Barkley, you heard the rumors a few weeks ago. Josh Jacobs, you heard the rumors at the end of last year. McDaniel said they weren't letting him out. Um, Tony Pollard coming off the ACL. That could be the ultimate wait-and-see situation. Uh, Darren Payne just trying to get his money. I'm not mad at it. Um, Evan Ingram's trying to be tight in one. He loves Trevor Lawrence. Again, not mad at it. But the one that jumped out to me was Saquon Barkley. Not because Saquon Barkley is top three running back in the NFL. Which I, I do believe he is. I believe it's Josh Jacobs, uh, Derrick Henry, and Saquon Barkley. But I do believe he's one of the best running backs in the league. The issue is... Um, the issue is timing. And so, the timing of it is because Daniel Jones got his bag... Right around the time Taquan Barkley got tagged, or right before Taquan Barkley got tagged. Um, Daniel Jones comes in at four years, $160 million, um, with a maximum value of 195 which is some of the incentives he could reach. He can get up to 195 and then uh, with a total of $82 million guaranteed uh, through either roster bonuses, signing bonuses, or in the first year salary. Um, and then, so that kind of put the Giants behind the financial aid ball. So they franchise tag Saquon Barkley um, to keep him around another year at a little over $10 million. Another quarterback that kind of turned his life around that got paid was Geno Smith. Um, his contract is three years, $75 million in base with a maximum value of 105. So when I see you hear maximum value in the NFL guys, think incentives. So if he has every single system in his contract, he'll end up with 105. But the base of it, what happens if he's a bum, he, but he's just on the team for three years, will be $75 million. Um, and, and then his deal has $40 million guaranteed. When he signed his name, Geno Smith knew, if I do nothing on this contract, I end up with $40 million. Um, same thing with Daniel Jones. He knew if he never played a lick of football again, he had $82 million coming. Huge, huge feeling. Uh, major respect to Geno Smith. For pretty much a, a whole decade, people considered him a bum. Um, and not worth his draft status coming out of West Virginia. Um, and last year, he kind of he was the better quarterback out of him and Russ, um, which definitely helped Seattle out in a lot of ways because not only were they able to get the best quarterback in the deal, but they were also able to save a lot of money and have additional draft picks, which turned out to be a great break um, because those Denver picks end up being the top. The Denver pick ended up being the number 10 overall pick. Um, which not, not even number ten, number four, something like that. Three, they're really high. Philly is ten. Um, they're either three, four, five, one of the two. Uh, they're either really, really high. Uh, it might have been six. I don't remember. But they're a really, really high draft pick. Uh, thanks to Denver being absolutely deplorably bad. Um, and so, you know, Seattle has a decent quarterback for Bridge. They have a solid team, um, and they were able to have the better quarterback out of the Russell Wilson trade, which no one saw coming when it happened. Um, and then Derek Carr lands on the New Orleans Saints. Um, four years, $150 million. His contract has $70 million guaranteed. Um, it was quite interesting to find out that both sides originally were going to do the trade. And then I don't know who convinced who, but somebody realized it would, be, it would behoove both sides if Derek Carr basically got himself released and then signed in for agency. Now, Derek Carr was looking at the New York Jets, but they made him feel like an option. They made him feel like, hey, if we don't get Brett, Fa- if we don't get Aaron Rodgers, rather, we'll call you, uh, kind of thing. And Carr was like, he wasn't sitting around for that. And New Orleans was available to him, so he took um, the shot he had on the city of New Orleans, um, embracing him. 
And so um, he is now the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. And then lastly, uh, Aaron Rodgers was given permission to meet with the New York Jets. It feels eerily similar to when Brett Favre was um, looking at the Jets from Lambeau. This is giving that same kind of feel um, that Rodgers is going to be playing for the Jets next year if he plays at all. Um, and so we're all going to kind of wait and see. that It's going to be our game of musical chairs. Maybe, you know, Lamar Jackson ends up in San Fran, bouncing Trey Lance to Indy, who bounces. Um, well, no one really. Indy doesn't have anybody to bounce. But then who knows how the draft board spirals now. You know, it would be a crazy situation if that's kind of how it went down. Because Lamar going to San Fran would set off an entire chain reaction. And so it would be very interesting to see how that goes down. Um, Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets would be the reuniting that uh, Denver fans hope would happen with um, Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach in Denver. He's now the OC with the Jets and pretty much been tasked with getting Aaron Rodgers into the building. And so when that's your entire job, at the second location you've been at, you have to achieve that mission, which I, which I ultimately do believe that Nathaniel Hackett does convince Aaron Rodgers to join the New York Jets um, and to take over that franchise. Oddly, like I said, similar to what uh, Brett Favre did taking over the New York Jets back in the day. But up next, we're going to shift to the NBA and talk about what's going down with the association. talk about what is going down with the NBA. Um, we're actually, uh, did the game go final already? Um, or is it, nope, that game's final. So this is going to be an update with the updated standings because the, all the games have gone final. Um, like I said, it's pretty much my late night recording session. So all the games have gone final. So when we discuss this, um, these games will be final. Now the teams that we're going to discuss in earnest are teams, not in earnest, but teams are going to give standing updates on our teams, I believe, are still competing for a playoff spot if you catch my drift, um, revolving tanking and other things and draft pick maneuvering. Um, I believe these teams are still involved in the playoff hunt in some shape, form, or fashion. So in the East, in order, you have Bucks, Boston, Philly, Cleveland, New York, Brooklyn. is holding down the sixth seed. Um, and then in the playing tournament, um, you have Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, and Washington, with Chicago and Indiana still fighting to get into the playoffs or the play-in. Out west, you have Denver, then a seven-game lead on Sacramento and Memphis, tied for second. Uh, Sacramento owns the tiebreaker right now. Phoenix at four, Golden State tied with the Clippers um, for fifth. And then you have Minnesota and Dallas tied for seventh. Then you have the Lakers in New Orleans tied for ninth. And then you have Oklahoma City, Portland, and Utah tied for 11th um, in the West. So absolute chaos and madness right now in the NBA standings. Um, Denver having a seven-game lead on second place is wild. Um, they have to at least get to the Western Conference Finals. There's no excuses this year. The team is healthy, and you're dominating, especially at home and in the clutch. Um, so you have no excuses here if you're the Denver Nuggets. Um, the Eastern side, Boston blew several leads. Um, big leads. Like, you know, they blew with like a 28-point lead to the Nets. They blew a 10-point lead to somebody. Like, um, Grant Williams just got chest tapped um, when he was talking to D-Book. It wasn't D-Book. Oh, I can't think of who it was right now. But he got chest tapped when he walked up to the free throw line of the game with Donovan Mitchell. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who it was, but uh, walked up to the line. I think it was Donovan Mitchell. Needing to make one out of two with .9 seconds left, and he misses them both. 
Uh, and when I say chest taps, because LeBron famously chest tapped Gilbert Arenas before Gilbert Arenas misses his free throws in the playoffs. Um, and so that is kind of what's going on uh, with Boston. They folded toward the end of some games, kind of ruined some coach of the year candidacies because they're faltering in coaching moments. Um, they are struggling in situations where the team that went to the finals last year and kept it pretty much cohesion the same, except for Ime Adoka's um, exit due to the incident when we went down with him. Um, this team should be great in the clutch. This team should be great in high-pressure moments. This team should be great in moving the ball. And so the blown leads to the Knicks. Uh, and the Nets, like I said, was downright disgusting um, because there's nothing on, to me, the Nets at all. I mean, Mikael Bridges is balling. But it's not a lot on the Nets, and you blow a 28-point lead to them. Um, horrible, horrible basketball. Um, the Clippers are were struggling. I was going to talk about the Clippers, but they won last. They won tonight. Um, I think it's their second out of third, three games. It's definitely their second game um, since, uh, I like to call it, post-Westbrook encounter. Um, this is at minimum... They are um, first, like their first or second game is a very strong possibility. Uh, Russell Westbrook uh, plays solidly. Nothing special, nothing home right home about, but nothing really bad. So I didn't watch the game, but his stat line wasn't terrible. Um, and I was going to talk about the Clippers struggling, but they won tonight. So they're a team that be getting their act together. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, however, LA's real team is rising, even without LeBron. They've already climbed up multiple spots. Anthony Davis has his dominating games. He has, has his no-show games. He has dominating games, and he had one last night uh, with 30 points and 22 rebounds. Um, you got guys like Malik Beasley, Jerry Vanderbilt. D'Angelo Russell's not even healthy. Um, so they, Dennis Schroeder's a good player. Um, you got Winnie and Gabriel. You have um, a lot of options if you are the Los Angeles Lakers in order to try and make a run and make a push at least the player in so that LeBron James will feel the need to push to come back. Maybe we see him at 90% um, instead of 100% with a couple more weeks, but he doesn't have, he may not have a couple more weeks when it comes down to the play-in tournament. Um, and so the Lakers are surging up. They are two games out of fifth. I mean, the situation where they can end up fifth or sixth seed waiting on the result of the play-in tournament, giving those guys an extra rest. Um, definitely feel that way in New Orleans as well with Zion um, not even being reevaluated for another two weeks. Um, the Pelicans are a team that could use a hot streak, get to the sixth seed, and give their guys an extra couple of days of rest. Um, so that is what is happening in the NBA for the most part. Oh, um, the Knicks are on a hot, or they were on a hot streak. They went down in a row, then they lost to the um, Charlotte Hornets. And then they kind of just went back to middling basketball. Um, but kudos to the Knicks for fighting the way that they have. Also, major shout-out to teams like the Brooklyn Nets. You traded a lot. Um, or you traded your two stars to get complimentary pieces, and you're actually still holding front of your playoff spots. Kudos to them. Um, few small injury updates. So, uh, Luka Doncic hurt his uh, leg against the Pelicans. He's going to get imaging. But there's a the potential he's out for a minute uh, with his soft tissue injury. Um, and then Kevin Durant was scheduled to make his home debut tonight for the Phoenix Sun against the Oklahoma City Thunder, his original team. But in pregame warm-up, he slipped and rolled his ankle to the floor in pregame warm-ups. Um, so who knows how much damage that will be um, as well. But up next, we're going to shift to our best for last, which is going to be a quick discussion about the NFL Combine. Welcome into Best for Last, and now we're going to talk about, really briefly, about the NFL Combine and what's happening. 
So for those of you who don't know, Anthony Richardson is a quarterback from the University of Florida. He was an okay NFL college collegiate quarterback. He threw uh, his last season about 2,500, 2,600 yards, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions, completion percentage was 53 and a half. Um, really did nothing special. He had a couple of great runs, a couple of off-script plays that he did that was spectacular. But as far as consistently playing the position, I didn't see him as an NFL quarterback. Nonetheless, I didn't see him as a, you know, a day three maybe because of his physical tools would be there. A few weeks ago, the rumbling started. Anthony Richardson is really flying up draft boards. I'm thinking, why? But this is the same lead that had Will Levis pretty high. So I kind of want to give Anthony Richardson the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the scouts are seeing something I'm not seeing. And then he goes to the pro day and absolutely murders it. He runs a 4-4-4-40. Um, he, he jumps 40 inches. He's setting all these combine records for a quarterback. He even threw a beautiful deep ball in the throwing session. Had a good throwing session. Now all of a sudden people are saying he could be his their number two overall prospect. Um, number two behind um, who knows, but the number two quarterback on the board is so either above C.J. Stroud or above Bryce Young, whatever. If there's anything I have learned from the NFL scouting combine, is that don't draft a combine warrior. If if you saw him, to me, I saw Anthony Richardson as a fourth-round guy. His combine would suggest he's the number one guy. I'm going to believe what I saw with my eyes on the field as opposed to the combine. At no point will a 40-inch vertical leap ever help a quarterback. Now, the 4-4-40 is useful. I give him that. It's incredibly useful. But how strong he is or how much he, how high he jumps in a t-shirt and shorts doesn't benefit anyone at all um, in regards to his situation. So whatever you thought about Anthony Richardson going into the combine, you should feel the exact same way exiting the combine. To me, nothing changed um, outside of the fact that we have times on his sporting and we have numbers on his vertical. Um but nothing changed to me as far as his command of the game, uh, what he can read on defense, um, what his mechanics are like, how repeatable is his motion. You know, scenes of that nature is kind of like everything, all the flaws and concerns I had about him, I still have. Because you can't disprove any of them in a t-shirt and shorts at the combine. Um, and so that was the big story of the combine. Quarterback went insane. Um, and made himself a lot of money. Uh, on combine night, uh, allegedly a lot of money, because they could all look up and say, "Never mind, don't worry about it." And he falls like a rock, like he should. Um, but as far as it's looking, he's gonna be the third quarterback off the board. Um, I have no words really. Like I, said, I just don't get it. Whatever you thought about him going into the draft and into the scouting combine, you should feel the exact same way. Or you just know, you just know, you have physical numbers to prove to you who's already athletic, which we knew that already. Uh, he he calls himself Cam Jackson. Neither one of those guys were accurate throwers. Neither is he. So it makes sense. Um, and the Jackson being Lamar and the Cam being Cam Newton. Neither one of those guys are known for their accuracy. So neither, like I said, neither is Rich, uh, Anthony Richardson. So it makes sense. Um, Jalen Carter, you guys know, was the University of Georgia a player that was uh, involved in the um, dry, dangerous driving and reckless uh, operation of vehicle, whatever. Uh, racing and a reckless operational vehicle uh, case with the University of Georgia where there was also a teammate dying and a female staffer. Uh, he went to Georgia, was booked, processed, answered questions in the bonding out, went back to Indianapolis to handle his uh, interviews and stuff. Um, so as of now, he's not a suspect. Of now, he's not a person of interest. Um, but he was just, um, you know, in a situation where he has to be kind of, not pins and needles, but he could be called any time to do a deposition or whatever. So he has to live his life according to that. Um, but that is all we have for today. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about the NFL draft more next week. I'll, the first Just-in-Time Sports mock draft will be out next week. Uh, so you guys can compare it uh, to what you may have done, what you may have seen on television. This draft is a very interesting draft because no one knows what anyone's going to do. Um, and when those drafts happen, it makes for a lot of TV drama and a lot of fun. But, again, I hope you guys learned a lot. 
Remember to follow at Daytime Sports on all social medias. Let me get your breaking news and updates. And as always, this is your owner and host, Justin Jackson.